Hello, I'm Daniel. This is my podcast, Sharpening the Mind. I am a meditation teacher and also a labor activist in Kansas City, Missouri. I teach classes in meditation and Buddhism at the Rime Buddhist Center, as well as a few other places. Thank you for listening and have a great day. to talk about different practice methods today. So, for meditation practice. So, there are many different forms, and sometimes people ask me questions like, why don't you do more guided meditation things? And the truth is that a lot of what people do as guided meditations aren't really the practices I do. And I'll, I will go into why that's the case. But that's why I don't do more of those. Because I don't listen to guided meditations. So um, doing them, those have never really done anything for me. So doing them myself is not really something I want to do very often. I do it sometimes, but it's not something I want to do very often. So I'm going to talk about different methods of meditation. And then I'm going to talk about what my core method is. So... I'm going to start off by talking about visualization. Visualization comes in many forms, and it, it is a style of meditation that some people like a lot. It never did anything for me. It always, um, either I fail to visualize at all or just trying to picture something makes my eyes hurt. Um, but what it is, is uh, there's several different forms, and one form is just you're guided to picture a specific thing like a glowing Buddha or a some kind of complex mandala, a symbol, a temple, or a glowing ball of light or whatever. You're, visualize, you're guided to visualize something and place your attention on that thing. And then another form of that is you're guided to visualize a sequence of things, a sequence of things. So you they tell you to picture this, and then this, and then this, and that's supposed to sort of help you turn your mind. And I don't have a problem with those visualization kind of practices, and I think a lot of people love them, but they that's not been for me. So I, I know you can, like, get a relaxation meditation where somebody, like, maybe they play soft music and they tell you to picture yourself on the beach or whatever. That's, that's never been for me. Um, that will just make me go to sleep if it does anything. So, that was visualization meditation. So, another form, and I'm going to talk about the forms where you place your attention on things. So, uh, one form is mindfulness of, of breathing. And mindfulness of breathing is probably my second favorite meditation method. It is one I do at times, especially when my main method is really difficult for me. And mindfulness of breathing is something I guide people in as well. Because, especially for people that have never meditated before, I think it's a good practice. And it can sort of lead into other practices as well, where you do mindfulness of breathing a little bit, and then you slide into another practice. So, what is it? It is where we place our attention on our breath. And then... Every time something distracts us from what we're placing our attention on, 
we just bring it back to our breath. This is probably the most popular form of meditation. I don't know. I don't know if it's the most popular form of meditation, but I think it may be. But it is just we bring our attention back to the breath. And we can focus on it either coming into and out of our nose or the rise and fall of our belly. Um, and some people say you absolutely have to do one or the other of those. Um, but I think they both work equally well, equally well. And some people say you should count when you're doing mindfulness of breathing. So in breath one, out breath two, in breath one, out breath two, just to add a little bit to the anchor. That's essentially what it is. It's an anchor to place our attention on so that whenever something distracts us, we just use our anchor to come back. And the reason why the breath is considered a very good focus is because it's something that's with us all the time. And it's also, unless we have a problem, it's not really something we're thinking about a lot. It's not really something we're thinking about a lot. So that is mindfulness of breathing. It is a very good practice, and it's especially a very good introduction to meditation practice, I feel. So another form is called mantra practice. And that is where you, instead of bringing your mind back to the breath, you just have a sort of a phrase that you mentally recite over and over. And every time something comes to distract you, you go back to the phrase. So um, often these are done in a foreign language. So you would say, om, om, but you don't say it, at least from what I'm talking about right now, you don't say it, you just mentally note om, om, or Om Mani Padme Hum is a popular one, and that just, it's a compassion. It's supposed to awaken compassion in us. But you just mentally recite that mantra, and every time something comes in to distract you, you just mentally recite the mantra again. And that's a, a pretty popular one. Um, there's a practice called Transcendental Meditation uh, that came to America in the 60s, and they that's what they do almost exclusively as mantra practice. And that works for some people, especially if they struggle to keep with the breath, or if they sort of attach a lot of significance to these words in other languages. And um, famously, a uh, Zen teacher named Sung San from Korea, he said, it doesn't matter he taught mantra sometimes. He taught various practices, but sometimes he did teach mantra. But he said, it doesn't matter what your mantra is. You can just say Coca-Cola over and over. Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola. And every time a thought comes in, you just go back to Coca-Cola. Um, he said it doesn't matter what the word is. But I think people do attach a lot of significance to these, these you know, sacred-sounding words like om. They sound really special because they're exotic. So, that was, so for mantra and for breath practice, essentially what we're doing is just bringing our attention back to it again and again, back to our focus again and again. Every time something comes in to distract you, you bring your attention back to your focus. And so I think, what am I doing later? Oh, go back to the breath. And I think, oh, that felt weird yesterday. Oh, go back to the mantra or whatever. And the point is we don't beat ourselves up, but rather we just come back to it the breath is always there for you to return to. The mantra is always there for you to return to. And so in a similar form to the mantra is uh, mentally reciting a name 
of the Buddha or a name of a spiritual being. So uh, one could, instead of saying Om or instead of saying Coca-Cola, one could say, mentally not Kuan Yin. Kuan Yin, Kuan Yin is a uh, spiritual figure, uh, the Bodhisattva of Compassion. Bodhisattva of Compassion. Some people say mythical figure, some people say a literal being. I, I subscribe to the mythical figure aspect. But And then also, even if you're not a Buddhist, you could be saying our Lord and Savior. You can mentally note our Lord and Savior and go back to that again and again. Or even something like God is great or something like that. That would be the same, essentially. Or um, Buddha, Buddha, right? So, that, that's another form. It's very similar to the mantra practice. And then, let's see, what's another form? Another form is what's called metta practice or loving kindness practice. And that is where we sort of, in stages, we bring someone to mind and wish them well. It's supposed to sort of awaken our compassion and kindness. So, you start bringing yourself to mind and then you mentally... Just note to yourself, may you be well, may you be happy, may you be peaceful, things like that. And then in the traditional way, you would bring yourself and then you bring someone you love to mind and do the same thing. And then you bring someone you don't care about much to mind and you do the same thing. And then you bring someone you really don't like to mind and you do the same thing. May you be well, may you be happy, may you be at peace. And there's different versions of that, but that's another form of meditation. It's meta practice. It's just wishing for the well-being of others. And a form that's sort of similar to that from the Tibetan tradition is called Tonglen. And that is where you, it's a visualization practice where you sort of imagine yourself breathing in the suffering of the world as a smoke and then exhaling it as a beautiful light. So that's supposed to, again, supposed to sort of stimulate our compassion, just like the meta practice. I, I would say I like the meta better than the Tonglen. But uh, people like these practices. It's supposed to really uh, stimulate our compassion and awaken our, our heart. So that's one. So another one. Now I'm going to sort of lean into things I like more, I think. So uh, koan meditation practice or... Okay, so this is a way some people do. Zen koans or chan, chan kongans are like... Uh, these famous stories that are supposed to, reflecting on them is supposed to turn our minds toward awakening, okay? And some people have the idea to use these stories and give talks based on them. And that that's what I do. But other people have the view that what we, what we should do is um, take these stories and present them to each other like riddles. Like riddles where I, the teacher asks the student a question like, what is the sound of one hand clapping? And then the student has to come up with an answer that demonstrates that they have turned their mind toward awakening and that they understand. So one form of meditation that some do is to just sit and reflect on a, a riddle their teacher has given them and just turn it over in their mind again and again and just think, what is the sound of one hand clapping? What is the sound of one hand clapping? Or another popular one is, what was your face before your parents were born? So, those are, those are, that's koan practice. 
but then a similar practice is called Huato, Huato, which I call meditative inquiry because Huato is really hard to say. I think Koan is kind of um, easy to say, and it's sort of people sort of know that word, but Huato people don't know, and it's harder to say. So I call it meditative inquiry, and it's is very very similar. Um, these practices probably came from the same source, but it is where you ask yourself a question that can't be answered and you reflect on it. So a question like, who is having this experience or who am I? When we really drill down and really truly bring our mind to try to answer that question, the truth is we can't. Who am I? Because it's not simple. It seems like a simple question, but it's not. Uh, Master Su Yun uh, famously liked the f question, who is dragging this corpse around? Which is similar to who am I, right? Who is dragging this corpse around? And what is this experience? That's another good one. Because when we try to think of an answer, it's really challenging. We can't think of a complete answer. So that is what makes it a powerful and useful practice because we can't think of a complete answer to who is dragging this corpse around. Let's see. So another one is called listening meditation. Listening meditation. And I, I like this one. And it is where you're just very still and you just try to hear what's happening. You just try to hear what's happening. So the truth is there are lots of sounds all the time, right? And when we're really quiet, we can hear them. So I close my eyes to do the listening meditation. I hear my kids in another room. I hear birds outside. I hear something else I can't identify. In the distance, I, at some point, I'll hear a car in the distance if I do it for a while. And so it's just about noticing and identifying sounds. Not asking questions about them, but just noticing them. Just bringing your attention to what you can hear. That's listening meditation. And then another form is called uh, fire gazing is what I call it. Casina meditation, I think is what it's called, but I call it fire gazing, but it's just, you have a flame. It can be a stick of incense. It can be a candle. It can be a campfire and you just stare at it and place your attention on it. Um, if you've ever gone camping with a group of people and you build a fire and you just sit and stare at the fire and that's all you do, that is sort of a form of meditation. There's a reason why that is, I don't want to say fun, but there's a reason why we feel like doing that. It lights up certain parts of our brain to just sit and gaze at a flame. And a stick of incense works for that too. So, that is fire. So, another practice is called body scanning. And that is where you just... One by one, you bring your attention to parts of your body and just bring your attention to it and just notice how that part of your body feels right now. So you generally, you start at your feet and you go up your legs and you go up, right? You go up your body, bringing attention to each part of your body little by little until you have brought attention to every part of your body. That's body scanning. 
And then another form is called noting, sort of similar to some of the forms we've been talking about. Noting is where you just label everything. So if I feel uncomfortable, I label feeling uncomfortable. If I am having a thought, I just label thinking. If I'm having a memory, I just label remembering. Just naming it is supposed to take away its power, its power to take us away from the present moment. Just labeling it. That's noting. And that's a pretty popular practice too. So lastly, I want to talk about my personal favorite practice. And it is called silent illumination. That's what that's what I call it. And some people call it Zazen or Shikantaza or even just sitting, which is sort of um, not, there's not a lot going on with that title, right? Just sitting. It's a spiritual practice that is just supremely uncomplicated. I've heard someone call it true meditation as well. True meditation. I don't know about that, but it's nothing but putting aside our thoughts and just being aware of ourselves in our sitting practice. We just, we make sure we have a good posture. We make sure we're in a good position where our feet aren't going to fall asleep or whatever. And then we just sit. This has been called the method of no method as well. It's simple, but also it's subtle and profound. It's hard for us to do. And we learn, I think when we try to just sit and meditate without an anchor, we really learn a lot about our minds. We really learn a lot about our minds. And you have to do it for a while before you feel like you're getting anywhere. And really, maybe you never feel like you're getting anywhere. But to me, this is the, the practice. There's nothing to it, but there's everything to it. We just are sitting. Silent illumination. So, a lot of uh, people like to put meditation into two categories in, in Buddhism, and that is shamatha, which is stilling the mind practices, or calm calming practices, and then vipassana, which is awakening practices, or insight practices. And a lot of people like to put uh, meditation methods into those two categories. And so if you're meditating to relax, that's shamatha. And if you're meditating to uh, gain insight and learn about the world and your place in it and gain wisdom, that is considered vipassana. And some people say like vipassana is all that really matters. And some people say shamatha is all that really matters. And in silent illumination, we're really trying to cultivate both at the same time, or it's said to cultivate both at the same time. So the silence represents that calmness, that relaxation, stillness, and then the illumination, well, that represents that insight, that awareness, that wisdom, and the illumination represents all those things. So we sit still, and we just sit and just are aware of ourselves sitting and that's it. That's it. And 
and I think it's a really powerful practice. I think it really, I think it really gives us a chance to see what our minds do, and see who we are, just by just sitting and just being here. Just being here. It leads to the perception of ourselves as we really are. Because the truth is, awakening, wisdom, mindfulness, compassion, Buddhism teaches that these are our true nature. Our true nature. It's the opposite of original sin. It's original awakening. It's our true nature. And we just have to turn our minds away from delusion and toward our true nature. And one method for doing that is to just... Be here. Be here now. Just be here. Don't do anything. Don't try to do anything. Just sit. And your true nature will manifest by itself. Manifest by itself. Nobody tells the flowers to bloom. They just bloom. Right? So that is what silent illumination is. And I'll be talking about it further in the future, I think. But let's just sit and, and just be present for a minute, a couple minutes, and just, just see how that goes. So just sit, find a position where your feet aren't going to fall asleep, find something to do with your hands so they're not a point of distraction. I like to recommend either hands on your knees or what I call the bowl. And straighten your back. And you can do eyes open or eyes closed. I like to do eyes open. I like What I like to do is have my eyes open and look at something that's not going to distract me. And just be here. And just notice everything that's happening. Pure awareness. Okay, um, so thank you for taking the time to sit with me. I am not, I'm sure I left out some methods of meditation in my description, and I am by no means an expert in most of those, so if I got any details wrong, that's all my fault and I apologize, but I really like silent illumination practice, and you'll probably hear me talking about it more. So thank you for taking the time to listen to me, 
and have a good day. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.